So for now, the podcast, it's just uploading sporadically. Basically, whenever I finish an episode, it goes up. Welcome to the Coochie Cast, everybody. This is episode 14, Petty Bitch Club. <laughs> Guess who we're talking about today? You'll be shocked, I'm sure. It's Toy Nanto. Yes, this is the fabled Kazuki Enta Chikai Toy Parallels episode. Enta and Toy are so petty, so bitchy. I love them. Luckily about different people, though, so they don't... <laughs> it's not that bad. It's bad for Enta. But Toy is fine. This is like a non-conventional love triangle, where it's less of an angle, just an assortment of arrows everywhere. <laughs> I don't even- I was thinking about like what you would have for Chikai's, which is- I guess you could have it point to a picture of Baby Toy. Yeah! <laughs> just off in the distance is the picture of Baby Toy. He's still cute, he never stopped being cute. He's just a little emo right now. And it's your fault. You did this to him. That's why he doesn't want to look at him. He knows that. He refuses to believe actions have consequences. He, he learns as soon as he gets shot. My name is Kat Cross. My pronouns are he and him. I am an artist. I do translation stuff. I do other things. But most importantly, I am the CEO of Baby Cow Toy Cha. You can find me on Twitter at It's Kato, at Let's Kato for my live tweets, and at Kudosu Cat for my art. And you can also find my translation stuff on my Tumblr blog, Kato's on my. I'm Faye. I am the number one Baby Cow and Toy Cha fan. I don't do anything for him, but I support him. He needs your support. He he deserves it. He does. Everyone should support Kaucha. My pronouns are she, her. I do writing and art sometimes. You can find me at Toy Money on Twitter, Toy Kuji on AO3, but be warned for Kuji shipping content. And our podcast has a Twitter at KuchiCast on Twitter. So follow us there for updates. Please do. I remembered this time. Yay! <laughs> because I forgot. Haha, <laughs> see? We make a good team. We make up a single brain cell. Just like the Kujis. Toy is the single brain cell. Chikai has none. Yeah, that's... <laughs> so, <laughs> we've already gone into the Kazuki Haruka parallels with Chikai and Toy. So, today we're also going to talk about the Kazuki and Enta parallels, because those are very explicit in the show, and I think it means something. It all has a deeper meaning, and if it didn't, then this podcast wouldn't exist. <laughs> Even that picture, that picture, I'll never get over it, Takeuchi. <laughs> With all of his deep meanings in that one picture. Even the lollipops! We made an entire episode about the lollipops! We cannot be stopped. So, these parallels, specifically for Toy and Enta, because we already talked about Chikai and Kazuki a lot. So, Toy in episode 4 reflects on their similarities, and this is even after he's seen Enta's leak in episode 3. He understands Enta better now, which he says in the novel, he understands it now. And he's projects his relationship with Chikai onto that. And Enta also realizes these similarities in episode 8 when he's talking with Chikai and Chikai tells him 
Toy's always doing these things for me, even though I never asked him to. And Enta tells him, yeah, I always do that too. And it's not very rewarding. And they both they both realize that they're similar. So I think that's important for the relationship too. Yeah, it makes them realize that they don't have to be <laughs> that they don't have to be so antagonistic. And they don't have to be petty bitches. They don't have to be, but Enta continues to be one anyway. <laughs> because immediately after that, even after he's like, Man, maybe I do have something in common with Kuji. Okay, now get the fuck out of town. <laughs> and then immediately regrets it when he's like, wait. Ooh, Chikai. Ooh, that's Toy's brother. Ooh. Ooh, he just kicked me into a dude with a sword. Ooh. I'm letting Toy just go with that guy. Maybe Kuji should stay here. Even Enta has to put aside his pettiness. E even Enta has standards. <laughs> God, that's so sad. Toy, love yourself. But then the thematic elements... Uh, where you can see the similarities between them are also very important. So they both think this this connection that they have stems from them thinking that they've been saved by Kazuki or Chikai, where Kazuki kind of pulled Enta out of loneliness by becoming the golden duo with him. And for Toy, it was Chikai taking the blame for shooting Kamome and declaring that they were going to survive together as brothers. And that led to their blind worship. <laughs> of Kazuki and Chikai, which is very bad. Especially with Chikai, a good lord. How do you even worship that man? It must be difficult for Toy. So we see Enta fantasizing about Kazuki all the time, and they are these really embarrassing little... <laughs> he he isn't even recognizable as Kazuki to us as laymen, <laughs> because he he just sort of comes in. He isn't really emotional at all. Mm -hmm. Kazuki's just saying what Enta wants Kazuki to say to him. Mm -hmm. So maybe we can imagine that happening with Toy and Chikai. I mean, Toy, Toy does have this image built up of Chikai where... <laughs> We're, that's why he's so surprised in episode 9 when he sees that Chikai is not like the Nissan he's built up in his head of being like this noble guy who rejects guns and all that stuff. He just sucks. <laughs> Toy has to recognize that. <laughs> but he probably did have those fantasies about Chikai. I think like the closest we really get to that is him looking back on the flashbacks in episode 4. Even though Chikai is just a complete shithead to him. <laughs> He's still just remembering the fact that he saved the shop. Yeah, and they, I, the way that the frames are shot, too, I mean, it's both ominous, but also, like, Chikai is in all of this light. You know, like, when he's coming in with the money from the shop, there's a bunch of light behind him, and he's shrouded in darkness, but it's still, like, a very triumphant moment. It's like a halo of sorts. Yeah, and you see Toy's face realizing that his brother has done this, and then when... Chikai is coming to take the gun from him. You know, it's all it's all light and white and all that stuff. I mean, yes, I think that's very similar, I think, to how Kaz how Enta views Kazuki. Just there's more darkness involved. In that flashback we see in episode 9 between Kazuki and Enta, we could just see it right there. It's very similar to how the lighting is when Chikai comes into the shop. Oh my god. And also when... um. When Toy's looking at Enta while he's dribbling the soccer ball, mm -hmm. he's also got, like, that light around him. Yeah. Toy just sees, like, other people like that while he's <laughs> still shrouded in darkness, and it's just very sad. 
So, yeah, they both kind of ignore these people's flaws, which is very terrible. <laughs> and then they also, they cling to these objects and places to hold on to these connections that they have. Like, for instance, and they're, they're specifically both thrown away objects, which is interesting because Shikai thought he threw away the gun um, and Kazuki threw away the Misanga. But Toy and Enta both hold on to these things because they're so important to them. Because it's, to them, throwing those objects away is like a way of severing their connection and they have to hold on to it so that they can be close to this person. And for the Masanga, it's also worth noting that Haruka was the one to fish out the Masanga from the trash. Like, Enta was really just about to give up on Kazuki until Haruka took that out and gave it to Enta. Oh, that reminds me of, um, in ep- in the chapter 9 in the novel when Enta's, or when there's that flashback happening, I think it's the flashback, or was it in episode 3? One of these flashbacks where Enta was reflecting on this um, instant, it was the Masanga that convinced him to take Kazuki's hand because he was uncertain about whether he should do this, and the Misanga convinced him, which is both, you know, how they connect Toy and Kazuki and Enta, but it's also... Enta views that Misanga specifically as the reason why he's done something. And the same with the gun. And then you were talking about the places. Yeah, so in episode three, we've already talked about this, but in episode three, we get that conversation between Toy and Enta, where Enta's venting about how he doesn't want to give up the soccer spot, because that's basically encompassing his entire friendship with Kazuki. That's always where they played soccer. That's That was their place. And he doesn't want anyone else to take that. And then Toy comes in like, wow, this reminds me of me and my brother once again. <laughs> Thank you, Toy. <laughs> Thank you for your input, Toy. And then in episode four, we get that flashback where Toy, he doesn't want to give up the shop. And he's really worried about it because that's basically all of the remnants of all of his family that is left. And if that is taken away from them, it could possibly be demolished. So... <laughs> Yeah, they're both clinging hard to these places and things. Because honestly, they're not getting much from the other side of the connection. Like, that's all they have to cling on to. Because they're both neglected by these other people. And that tends to lead to both Toy and Enta having first these, like, this sort of emotional repression where Enta is trying to conceal his feelings and, you know, thinks, okay, this doesn't, my feelings don't matter. I just want to be by Kazuki's side. It doesn't matter how he feels about me. I'm fine. It's okay. Which is, you know, kind of the whole point of his storyline that he's not okay and he can't repress those feelings. And with Toy, he's, he, you know, actively tells himself, I will never cry or smile or anything like that. I'm going to live for Nissan's sake. They're both repressing a lot. And then look how that turned out. Yeah, not great. Yeah, you gotta let it out somehow, and Enta just so happened to do it by sifting through Kazuki's garbage. And yes, it leads to self-destruction. When I mean, Enta is the most clear form of self-destruction, especially because he keeps wanting to, he wants Kazuki to like crush his dreams, you know? He wants to be able to move on from Kazuki, which requires Kazuki to, you know, tell him it's never going to happen. And Toy is also, I mean, like Toy says in, what, episode 11, when they're, you know, going through these little flashbacks, and Toy says, I'm, you know, just waiting to die. <laughs> just waiting to get shot. I had a thought and then it lost me! I know. Dork Kepi is erasing my memory. <laughs> it's the self-destruction. Uh...
And to wanting Kazuki to crush his dreams. Oh, right, yeah, but... And to really wanting Kazuki to catch him. Like, whether it be the kiss, or him doing that bullshit in episode 7. And the fact that he took the lead in the Sadazanmai <laughs> in episode 7, like, that that couldn't have been just pure stupidity. Yeah. That was deliberate. And to really wanting Kazuki to see that. And in episode three, when in the novel, it says specifically when Enta is, you know, confessing to Kazuki, saying like, I I love you, I want to be the golden duo with you for life. He's specifically thinking like, okay, just end this now. He's waiting for Kazuki to reject him, which is so sad. And it doesn't even happen. Not even in his fantasies. No. Can't go through with it. And the sad thing is it does happen. (laughs) Which part? The fact that Kazuki gets mad at him. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. But Kazuki still doesn't understand why Anta did it. Oh. Yeah, and Anta still can't let him go even when that happens. God, it sucks. Okay, we'll, we'll get to that. But then another another point that they have in common is that they are both jealous, petty bitches. So Anta's self-explanatory, I think. But Toy with Masa is so funny. He's so upset. He's so upset by just Chikai interacting with Masa, like, in a somewhat friendly manner. Which isn't even friendly. It's just, like, Chikai hitting Masa on the head. And Toy's like, man, they sure are familiar. That's how desperate he is. And Toy's just jealous of the fact that Chikai has any connections at all. Yeah, because they said they weren't going to have any. (laughs) And then Toy being petty when they're going to leave Masa... He's like, at least we'll never see you again. And then Shikai shoots Masa and he's like, wait, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> no, wait. What the fuck? Shikai. <laughs> you ruin everything, Shikai. And another parallel I noticed when I was going through the novel was in chapter nine, specifically when Shikai is told Toy that he can go, you know, be with his friends. He can still like turn around. Uh, Toy says he's already got someone to care for him, someone he's closer to than me. But I'm all you have left. And then when Kazuki and Otone are talking about Enta being in the hospital, Otone says, "You probably had no idea how it made him feel when he squeezed your hand back then. You held his hand when he was lonely. That made him so happy. Enta told me so, you know." He said he'd never, ever let you be all alone, no matter what, no matter when. He would be there with you, he said. (laughs) God, that whole, that's just so much. It is so sad. It's so much when you remember that Enta's dying in the ICU. And Otone is just so scared. And also that, that whole, like, never, ever let you be alone thing. Very, very much code for marriage. Oh my god. Oh god, so it... So yeah, they've both devoted themselves to these people for life completely. Like that image of Toy <laughs> as a Kappa from Miggy's manga going, I, I'm going to live for my brother. That's, that's what Toy is doing with, or what Enta is doing with Kazuki too. And I like, I like these parallels because, you know, it's easy to go, oh, Enta's having this teen drama and Toy's like dealing with, you know, more adult familial stuff. But Enta's feelings for Kazuki are, are as deep like, he really loves Kazuki, genuinely feels this way, and it's how Toy feels. I mean, it's, it's as deep as how Toy feels, so it's just as important. It's just as valid. Enta writes. Enta is valid. Enta writes! <laughs> Never forget, this is an Enta writes podcast. <laughs> okay, so now you may be thinking, but what about Haruka? Because how can Kazuki and Haruka be parallels for the Kuji Bros while also Kazuki and Enta are parallels for the Kuji Bros? And the novel addresses this even. So in the novel, in episode or chapter four, when Toy and Enta are talking, 
Toy thinks, from Toy's perspective, Kazuki's indifference toward Enta couldn't be so easily forgiven, especially since the other boy's feelings bled into Toy's consciousness and he was now keenly aware of just how Enta felt. It was also obvious that Kazuki had no room in his heart for anyone but his little brother. And then Enta says, Kazuki saved me from a life of loneliness, and I've decided that it's my turn to help him this time. Those words jolted Toy's memory. But so it's interesting that from Toy's perspective, Kazuki has no room for anyone in his heart except his little brother. But he's still, he's like, he's upset with Kazuki for this, that Kazuki is ignoring Enta's feelings. You'd think he would relate to that and be sympathetic toward that, but he's not. <laughs> because Kazuki's a Nichan and Enta is an Ototo. There's a very clear <laughs> distinction there. <laughs> So he acknowledges that Kazuki has only has room in his heart for his little brother. But then when Enta says that it's his turn to help Kazuki, Toy relates to Enta specifically. And he starts thinking, he starts going, wow, this reminds me of me and my brother. As he always does. So this, this led to me speculating. If Chikai is focused on Toy the way Kazuki is with Haruka... Why does Toy feel like he's still chasing Chika? Why does he relate to Enta's part in this situation? And my, <laughs> what I've come up with is that maybe Toy is a homewrecker. Much in the way that the fandom has split Toy and Baby Toy into different characters, <laughs> Chikai has very much done the same. Chikai was the OG Toy stan. <laughs> and he has decided that Baby Toy and Toy are two completely different characters. Because <laughs> Chikai keeps clinging to this ideal of baby toy. You know, that's what the pictures he keeps are about, baby toy. And he wants toy to kind of go back to that childhood innocence. And he tries to ignore the teenage toy that exists who cannot go back to being innocent. And he, so he treats him poorly like Kazuki does with Enta. And so toy feels like he's, he's chasing him. Because, yeah, looking at toy would make him realize how poorly he has done as a Nissan that he has ruined Toy. And so he runs away as he always does, like a fucking coward. Yes, just keeps holding on to baby Toy and thinking like somehow it can go back to that. But it can't. Uh, I wish it could. Don't we always wish we could have baby Toy? Well, we, well, we can with baby cow Toy-chan. At least with the fandom, we can immortalize baby Toy. <laughs> we can have baby Toy and teenage Toy. All at the same time. At the same time, maybe with like multiple versions of each. Many who are cows. They're all cows, actually. So then we get to this sacrifice part, which is a repeated theme in the series because it happens with Reo and Mabu, Kazuki and Enta, and Shikai and Toy. But does the sacrifice parallel change their role? Because it's Enta who makes the sacrifice for Kazuki, but then it's Shikai who makes the sacrifice for Toy. And I think you could read it both ways. This is just my, <laughs> how I'm kind of seeing it, where Enta's sacrifice causes Kazuki to realize Enta's feelings for him. And then he goes to Enta while he's in the hospital and says, you know, Enta never, was always babbling on about things that didn't matter, but never told him what was really important. And then Chikai's sacrifice kind of tells Toy how Chikai feels, even if Toy doesn't really understand it. It is this representation of how he feels about Toy, that he would give up his life for Toy. Chikai also does not tell Toy what's important. He doesn't say, I love you, or explain to him why he has done anything. He's just an asshole. Toy sees this as just another example of Chikai taking the fall for him. Like another way he has just been a burden for his brother. 
this this parallel also fits with I just feel like what Ikuni would do because Shikai told Enta that you don't get second chances in life and then Enta gets a second chance and Shikai doesn't. Get fucked! <laughs> he does deserve it. I can't even say that he doesn't deserve it. But you can also view this through the same parallel as before where Enta's sacrifice could be similar to um, oh, well, first of all, the sacrifices that Toy has made throughout his life for Chikai, but specifically Chikai realizes this when he sees Toy shooting those guys, the gangsters, especially with that gun that he thought he'd thrown away. Um, and that forces Kazuki and Chikai to realize how these people feel about them. And Kazuki's reaction is to express his feelings for Enta back and like cherish him. <laughs> and Chikai's reaction is to point a gun at Toy's head. I gotta put him down, old yeller styles. <laughs> That's really what he was thinking, come on. And the, and the way he says it, he's like, you, maybe you're a little too perfect for me. He can't even t oh. he can't even lie and say he hates him, the stupid motherfucker. I know. He can't even insult Toy because there's nothing to insult. He's just like, you're too perfect. I love you too much. <laughs> you need to die. I love you too much. <laughs> God, Chikai really is a yandere, goddamn. <laughs> he can't handle these feelings. Everyone in this show is a yandere. <laughs> and that's why we love them. That's why data terms are useless. <laughs> so yeah, those are the parallels. And I just think it's important because, like I said, it gives more gravity to Enta's storyline when you realize how deeply he feels about Kazuki and how important Kazuki is to him in the same way that Chikai is important to Toy because they see Kazuki and Chikai as saving them from this life of loneliness. You know, Chikai could have run away and Toy would have been alone. He would have had no family left. And Toy just hero worships Chikai for doing the bare minimum and not leaving him and abandoning his 10-year-old brother. No wonder Toy has zero standards. No. And I just realized that, so in the novel, when after Otone tells Kazuki about how important he is to Enta, Kazuki thinks about that, you know, that meeting that they had and thinks he it was just like a casual thing that he did. He didn't really place any significance in it, which is kind of what Shikai does too with that, with the whole shooting Kamome thing where he's like just kind of trying to brush it away and he doesn't think too much about it but toy has placed all the significance on it which is even more baffling in the kuji's case that's like a major life event that just happened in front of toy and chikai is just trying to brush it off like in episode eight he's like oh you're not still blaming yourself for that are you <laughs> yes and it's like dude take this seriously he refuses like, with Kazuki, yeah, I get why he didn't see that as, like, a major thing for him and Enta, because he was just inviting a kid to go play soccer, and they just happened to become best of friends. Didn't really understand that that changed the course of Enta's life forever. Yeah, with with Kazuki, it's all understandable. He is, he is a small child and teenager, but Chikai is just worse Kazuki. <laughs> God, he's a grown-ass man. He should think about his actions maybe sometimes. That would help. He's just a massive jackass. I love how in the Entistan episode, we're just relentlessly mocking Chikai, which is how <laughs> Enta would have wanted it. Yes, exactly. And how Toy, Toy would hate it, unfortunately. 
Oh god, it would take so long for Toy to be able to joke about Chikai. <laughs> One day he can. One day he will be able to say, my brother, maybe he was kind of stupid. <laughs> oh, this poor boy. He took that first step with Soriga Doshita. He'll get there. He'll get there, this poor boy. We're just glad he's alive. Okay, so... This week in the Kaocha fandom, there is something very exciting that is happening. It is astounding. It is earth-shattering. It will change the way you view the world. We cannot <laughs> say what it is right now. Unfortunately, I don't think we can say what it is right now, but... When we announce it, I am I am particular and very excited for it. Yes, you will hear about it here. We will be talking about it. We will, we will be screaming about it because it is so important. But we can't say anything right now. Damn it. <laughs> but what we can, there is some news that we can talk about because there is a mailbox that has the Kappas on it. <laughs> and that's great. <laughs> they finally made it. Our boys, they made it. They made it on a mailbox. They're famous. <laughs> Just imagine that you are a serious business person going about your work day. You have to mail some serious business letters and you have to do it in this mailbox that has a bunch of little kappas on it <laughs> from this anime where they penetrate <laughs> people anally and you have to send your mail through it. Very serious business going on here. I'm so proud of them. Now they just have to get on a train. I believe in them. Just plaster them all around Asakusa. That's what we're waiting for. Yeah. When that happens, I'll finally be able to make my my Asakusa pilgrimage. And for our artist spotlight for this week in the Kuji fandom, we want to talk about Bando. Yes, you are pronouncing that per correctly. Yes. Okay. I was waiting. Bando, who doesn't have a Twitter, um, so you may not have seen them around much, but they have a Poi Piku and they're on Pixiv, and they draw the cutest toys I have ever seen in my whole life, which is saying a lot. They draw the softest coochies on the planet, oh my god. But yes, they do have soft Nissans too, which is very good. So, with that Chikai fan art dichotomy I was talking about in the last episode, this is like hard on the soft Nissan scale, like 100%. It's just so, <laughs> he's just so gentle in every picture. There is 0% sick fuck Aniki here. It is, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it's just soft and sweet, and they draw cute baby toys, and that's very important. Yeah, it's very shippy. Just know that going in, but it's so sweet. It's really sweet. Highly recommend. Get a Poi Piku just for them. Get a Poi Piku and follow them. I have so many baby toys. I can't even pick one to talk about because they're all so cute. There is that one with Teen Chikai and Baby Baby Toy in like a pool. And there's he's got a Kappa floaty on. It's so cute. It's just... He's it's got a little hat! I know, he's so happy. It's so good. And then there's the two of them eating eating shaved ice and looking at each other's tongues. It's so precious. Oh, and then they also have that, that one, I don't know what they're called, but with the witch fingers, the little chips that they have. Oh yeah, <laughs> the bugles. At least that's what they're called here. Ah, and he calls them Nichan. Yes, these are the ultimate soft coochies. This is ultimate coochie soft right here. So yeah, pl please look at them if you if you just really want some some soft coochies in your day. 
soft cooties are the only thing keeping me going. Thank you, thank you, Coogee Bros, for for keeping me from going full Joker. <laughs> from going full Chikai. Full Chikai on a daily basis. <laughs> God, now that's terrifying. Oh no! Don't make don't make me think about Joker edits with Chikai. <laughs> Okay, well now you have to do it. No! Now you have to. Come on, you know he would he would relate to the Joker. <laughs> I'm the Joker, baby! No. <laughs> Toy would want to be his Harley Quinn. No! <laughs> I know, Sam, like... <laughs> she was crazier than him and more fearless. She was his queen and gotta help anyone who disrespected his queen. I mean, you could also apply that quote to Castoy. <laughs> That's just because Kazuki and Chikai are the same person. Kazuki is both Harley Quinn and the Joker. <laughs> Kazuki really just fulfills himself. 